Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning, everyone. It's uh, probably 75 degrees out here. <laughs> I keep thinking I'm going to have that ready for you, but I'll check it. 71. Ooh, wow. 71. And last night we were down to a chilly 65. So how's that for nice weather? Pretty bit, pretty good. Well, we are in Genesis again, 29 and 30. Back out of Job into Genesis. So let's find our place and get ready. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you for bringing us all together. And once again, we are excited to see what you have to say to us. So we will listen to your word and just reveal these things to us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Genesis 29, uh, Jacob meeting Rachel. When Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the sons of the east, he looked and saw a well in a field. And behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it. From that well, they watered their flocks. Now, a stone was on the mouth of the well, or the stone was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, they would then roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place on the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where are you from? And they said, We are from Haran. And he said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Naor? And they said, We know him. And he said to them, Is it well with him? And they said, It is well. And here is Rachel, his daughter, coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. It is not time for the livestock to be gathered. Water the sheep and go pasture them. But they said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered. And they rolled the stone from the mouth of the well. Then we watered the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. When Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went up and rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Jacob kissed Rachel, lifted his voice, and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was a relative of her father and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. So when Laban heard the news of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he related to Laban all these things. Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. And Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the young was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and face. Now Jacob loved Rachel, Rachel, so he said, I will serve you for seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. Verse 21, Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, 
when my time is completed, that I may go into her. Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. Now in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob went into her. Laban also gave his maid in Zilpha to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came about in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me? But Laban said, It is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and I will give you the other also for the service, which you shall serve with me for another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week and gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave his maid Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. So Jacob went into Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban for another seven years. Now the Lord saw that Leah was in love, and he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah conceived and bore a son and named him Reuben. For she said, Because my Lord has seen my affliction, surely now my husband will love me. Then she conceived again, and bore a son, and said, Because the Lord has heard that I am unloved, he has therefore given me this son also. So she named him Simeon. She conceived again, and bore a son, and said, Now this time my husband will become attracted to me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was Levi. She conceived again, and bore a son, and said, This time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she named him Judah. Then she stopped bearing. Chapter 30. Now when Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, she became jealous of her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children, or else I die. Then Jacob's anger burned against Rachel, and he said, Am I in the place of God, who has withheld from you the fruit of the womb? She said, Here is my maid, Bilhah, go into her that she may bear on my knees, that through her I too may have children. So she gave him her maid, Bilhah, as a wife, and Jacob went into her. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me, as indeed heard my voice, and has given me a son. Therefore she named him Dan, Rachel's maid. Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. So Rachel said, with mighty wrestling, I have wrestled with my sister and have indeed prevailed. And she named him Naphtali. When Leah saw that she had stopped bearing, she took her maid Zilpha and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's maid Zilpha bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, how fortunate. So she named him Gad. Leah's maid Zilpha bore Jacob a second son. And Leah said, happy am I, for women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Now, in the days of the wheat harvest, Reuben went and found mandrakes in the field and brought them to his mother. Then Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, is it a small matter for you that you take my husband? And would you take my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, therefore, he may lie with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. Then Jacob came in from the field in the evening. Then Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come into me, for surely I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he lay with her that night. God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has given me my wages because God gave my maid to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. God has endowed me with a good gift. Now my husband will deal with me, because I have borne him six sons, so she named him Zebulun. Afterward, she bore a daughter and named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel. God gave heed to her and opened her womb. Verse 23, 
So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. She named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. Now it came about when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I might go to my own place and to my own country. Give me my wages and my children for whom I have served you, and let me depart, for you yourself know my service which I have rendered. But Laban said to him, Now if it pleases you, stay with me. I have divined that the Lord has blessed me on your account. He continued, Name me your wages, and I will give it. But he said to him, You yourself know how I have served you, and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came, and now it has increased to a multitude, and the Lord blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? So he said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this one thing, I will again pasture and keep your flock. Let me pass through your entire flock today, removing there every speckled and spotted sheep and every black one among the lambs, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, will be considered stolen. Laban said, Good, let it be according to your word. Verse 35, So he removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats and every one with white in it and all the black ones among the sheep gave them into the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three-day journey between himself and Jacob. Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white strips in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. He set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks in the gutters, even in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink. And they made it when they came to drink. So the flocks made it by the rods and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face towards the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. And he put in his own herds apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. Moreover, whenever the stronger of the flocks were mating, Jacob would place the rods in the sight of the flock in the gutters so that they might mate by the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he did not put them in. So the feeble were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. So the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks and female and male servants and camels and donkeys. Pretty wise man, as far as we understand. He had a great understanding of animal husbandry, for sure. As far as Rachel and Leah go, that whole situation, God is allowing it, apparently, because he's allowing the deceitfulness of man, once again, to prosper these uh, patriarchs. seems that every case, deception is involved. Now, this time it's Jacob not deceiving someone. It's somebody else deceiving him. Usually it was Isaac or Abraham not being honest with the, uh, shall we say, the people they were serving. Abraham goes down and he's kind of under the, the control of Pharaoh and uh, Isaac and Abimelech. And here, Jacob goes down and is around a man who, Laban, who's got a lot of desire to be powerful, but is not powerful yet, and Jacob makes him powerful. The man realizes the value of having this guy around, and so he deceives him uh, 
to give him both his daughters. And obviously, God was going to grow a great nation from Jacob. So this is what he allows. But the human nature of all this is quite astounding. Uh, you would have never thought in the Bible, people that don't read the Bible would probably never think this. I mean, how the nation of Israel grew out of a kind of a competition between the sisters and uh, one not feeling loved and one feeling barren and one having a problem. So they bring in their maidservants. Now you have four women bearing children. It's just crazy how God uses the the frailty of human nature for his own ends because they're even naming their children names that kind of, in one sense, seem not as spiritual as we would want to think. They're like, oh, now he'll love me. I'm going to name him this. Now he'll respect me. I'm going to name this child this. Really equating to their broken heart and the difficulty that they were dealing with and the struggle that they were dealing with. And, uh, of course, Asher, we Micah chose that name because it does mean that now I'm happy. It means that now he's brought happiness. Great name. But these these names are not focused and thought about like so many names. You know, the... Uh, the, the glory of God or Yahweh lives or the blessed name of God and all of these different names that you hear, a lot of Hebrew names are relating to this. These names come out of, of contention and strife and, uh, and, 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 and joy of finally having children. There are some very good names in there too because they were finally able to have kids. But it's in contrast or in, in competition to the other woman. So again, when I, what I'm seeing in all this is the the frail human nature that God works through as he's uh, bringing his uh, his plan into uh, into play, what he wants to accomplish. And I can only sit back and, and marvel at that and say, well, he did it through all of the patriarchs and all of the things that are going on through them. So that means that he's not surprised by anything we do today, not surprised by the things that go on amongst us in the churches and, among, and in our own families. And he can still work through it. He can still work with us, even in our frailty and our weaknesses, and and even through deception. We see that Jacob was not bitter. It wasn't. I would have been very bitter when you Laban did all that stuff to me, but not Jacob. And he uh, maintains a pretty good attitude, and and God blesses him, and he's patient, and he waits on the Lord. There's a lot of good things you learn from that. Okay, Matthew 19, concerning divorce. Here we go. When Jesus had finished these words, he departed from Galilee and came into the region of Judea, beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to Jesus, testing him, and asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined, gather, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another wife commits adultery. The disciples said to him, 
if the relationship of the man with his wife is like this, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, not all men can accept this statement, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way from their mother's womb, but there are eunuchs who are made eunuchs by men, and there are also eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. He who is able to accept this, let him accept it. Verse 13, And some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the children alone, and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. After laying his hands on them, he departed from there. And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good things shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? And he said to him, Why are you asking me about what is good? There is only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept. What am I still lacking? And Jesus said to him, If you wish to become complete, go and sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and come follow me. And when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he, he was one who owned much property. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Verse 27, then Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the generation when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, father or mother or children or farms, for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. There's a lot to be looked at here, especially everybody wants to know about the whole divorce part of it. We have a divorce culture, and uh, the Bible says what it says. When God is joined together, let no man separate. Essentially, once you're married, that is God's will for your life. You have entered into a covenant with God, a three-strand cord. Now, you may have entered it into uh, before you're saved. You may have entered it uh, after you're saved. And maybe the person's not a believer or they're a weak believer and everything goes wrong. What is God's will? Basically, that's just for immorality. Uh, and we'll throw in abuse there because that's immoral. If someone's beating you up, that kind of stuff. Then you are to stay in the relationship and pray and ask God to change the person that you're married to. That is God's perfect will. And uh, if you leave a relationship that's not for immorality, you just don't want to be with that person, well, the Bible says that you're, you're sinning, you're committing an adult, you're adultery, especially if you marry someone else. So it's pretty plain, but every situation is different. So we have to look at every situation differently. And uh, Paul will develop this a little bit, but we do see that um, 
there are times that if someone wants to leave the marriage, Paul will later say if an unbeliever wants to leave the marriage, you can't stop them. If they're the ones leaving, and, and they're absolutely set on their ways, and you've not tried to push them out, then you let them go. All I'm saying is that we need to be sensitive and biblical and remember that we're the kids' kings. And just like the rich young ruler had much property and didn't want to give that up, there are things sometimes that we don't want to give up, our independence, our our own personal way of living, and we don't want a, some, living with somebody we find out is tough. We've got to learn how to share. We've got to learn how to love them in a deeper way than we ever ever thought we could. And I'm, I'm referring to marriages that are challenged. You guys know that. We, we who have great marriages, it's easy for me. I, I love my wife, and, and most of us, we don't struggle with these things, but there are people that find marriage just a huge, huge challenge. And um, sometimes it's because we've not been willing to give up our selfishness, especially if we've been single for a long time. And God says, no, you got to give that up too. You, you have to not be so selfish. And, and learn how to yield and learn how to be a servant within your own marriage. So there's a lot we can learn. And it's a great, great way to learn how to be a servant of God is to be in a marriage. So in other words, our, our selfish culture teaches us that you need to get what you want. If you don't get what you want, get out of the relationship. Whereas a Christian marriage is about sacrifice and service and thinking of the other person. So be biblical when you're thinking about marriage and seek the Lord in your marriage and get blessed. Be blessed in your marriage. That's the best way I can say it. All right, Charles Spurgeon, look upon men. And if any say, I have sinned and perverted that which was right and it profited me not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit for his life shall see the light. This is a word of truth gathered from the experience of a man of God. It is tantamount to a promise. What the Lord has done and is doing, he will continue to do while the world standeth. The Lord will receive unto his bosom all who come to him with a sincere confession of their sin. In fact, he is always on the lookout to discover any that are in trouble because of their faults. We cannot endorse the language here used. We have not sinned personally so as to say, I have sinned. Sin willfully, having perverted that which is right. Sin as to discover that there is no profit in it but an eternal loss. Let us then go to God with this honest acknowledgement. He asks no more. We can do no less. Let us plead his promise in the name of Jesus. He will deliver us from the pit of hell, which yawns for us. He will grant us life and light. Why should we despair? Why should we even doubt? The Lord does not mock humble souls. He means what he says. The guilty can be forgiven. Those who deserve execution can receive free pardon. Lord, we confess and we pray thee to forgive. Amen. Let's do that. Father, we thank you for this day you've given us. And certainly, God, many of us have acknowledged, continue to acknowledge the areas that we fall short in the word we sin. And we uh, prayerfully are doing that every time we come into your presence. And certainly, as we come into a service, on a Sunday before we spend time worshiping, God, we do want to be clean before you, and we do ask for your touch of your forgiveness. Thank you for the grace that we receive. Thank you that it's overwhelming, and we look expectantly, God, knowing without a doubt that if we do confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So thank you. 
do pray for the physical healing of those that are looking for a touch today that need it. And i got to ask you continue to reach those that are hard-hearted, those that have been listening to the word, those that have been exposed to it but are still holding back. People that visited our church or other churches this week that are right there ready to make the change, but they're fearful and they don't know what it would bring. They're so stuck in the world. God, we pray for them. Just bring them out. Help them to make that one final decision. Like the rich man, they need to just get rid of it all. All the stuff of the world just yield over to you. Maybe you won't take it away physically, but they need to give it over in their heart so that they can be washed clean and come into the family of God. So we pray for the salvation of those today that are close, Father, people we've been ministering to, specific people. Pray you touch them and, and bring them, Father, before your mighty throne of grace. So thank you for this day. Thank you for what's going on uh, here in Vallarta and the Conference Center and the blessing we had at church. So many people. It was such a wonderful time to see old friends. May you continue to make their experience and their time in Vallarta very rich and meaningful and grow in their relationships, one with another and family. And you continue to bless our ministry and bring in the hurting, bring in the lost, bring in those that are looking to know the God of, of this universe. And may you continue to grow us in grace, God, every single day that we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys so much. And uh, as you guys keep praying for my, my sickness so I can get over this thing. It's really becoming a nuisance. But we will try this again tomorrow. And uh, I just pray you guys have a wonderful day. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.